Hi, Foxies. The episode you're trying to listen to is right around the corner, but first, we need your help. You may have noticed that there are no ads during the Fox and the Foxhound. We prefer this, being ad haters ourselves, but we need your help to keep it that way. If you love this show, please consider signing up as a patron at patreon.com slash the Fox and the Foxhound. We have Patreon tiers starting at just $1 a month. And not only will you get fun extra content and an unedited cut of every episode two days early, you'll be directly responsible for keeping the show going in all of its ad-free glory. Thanks to all of our existing patrons, past patrons, and hopefully future patrons. Enjoy the episode. Hi, I'm Kevin. And I'm Amanda. And we are the Wilsons. We've been married for over a year and started the show when we were still engaged. Kev is reading through the series for the first time. And Amanda is a longtime Potterhead. Each week, we read a chapter or two and discuss our exploration of the series. Every episode features a marriage lesson from each of us based on what we've read. And Kev makes a prediction about what is to come. This podcast is about Harry Potter, love, marriage, friendship, and the power of kindness. If you are listening for the first time, welcome. In the second half of the show... We'll let you know how you can keep in touch with us and your fellow listeners. We'll also let you know how you can support the show through Patreon and contribute content yourselves. Warning, there's always a risk of adult language and poorly crafted jokes in each episode. Welcome to to the the Fox Fox and the Fox Fox Sound. A little song, a little dance, Batman's head on a lance. Tell me, what do you know about... Why? Where did that come from? Ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? Jack Nicholson's Joker is really great. So good. I mean, Heath Ledger's Joker is legendary. Yeah. D- very different. Very different interpretation. Where did this come from? W- you know, I don't know. Just floating around in my brain. From the, the annals? I like Batman. Brain? Remember the Prince song? Bat no, Dance? No. Vicky Vale. Vicky Vale. I like Batman. At one point he says, hey, Ducky, let me stick the seven inch in the computer. Excuse me? I like, I like Batman. You never heard Bat Dance? Is that a euphemism? Put it in the show notes. The seven inch? It's Prince. Of course it is. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I will put it in the show notes. No, I've never heard that. You never heard Bat Dance? No. Mm-mm. Oh my God. The 1989 Michael Keaton Batman soundtrack. The score is good. The soundtrack is great too. Okay. Okay. I, the other thing I'll put in the show notes is Jimmy Fallon on the Graham Norton show talking about playing ping pong with Prince. It's a great story. Prince Pong. Prince Pong. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Chapter 25, one chapter episode, The Seer Overhead. The Seer Overheard. The Seer Overheard. <laughs> I was just thinking like overhead. What does this chapter even mean? Oh, Ooh, I'm above you. Yeah, overheard. It's admittedly. That's why it's hard to keep a seer business alive. All the overhead. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> admittedly, this is like one of my least favorite chapter titles because I think it's a great chapter. I just think it's kind of a lazy title. It is. You know, yeah. I think it could have been a little. I don't know. That's just always a little bit of a pet peeve I've had. <laughs> A little bit of a shorter chapter. A little bit of a shorter chapter. Man, I wanted to keep going. I know. God, I wanted to plow through to the next chapter. But the next chapter is the cave, and it's about 24, 25 pages long. 
Like yeah. now we're getting into a three-hour podcast. Exactly. And for those of you who have read this book, you know, and just like I told you, the cave is a big one. It's a big chapter, and there's going to be a ton to talk about. Yeah. So we're just going to stick with the seer overhead slash overheard yeah. today. And we'll do that spelunking on the next episode. Yes, the deep dive. Yes, we will into the cave. Well, I'm reading first. The fact that Harry Potter was going out with Ginny Weasley seemed to interest a great number of people, most of them girls, yet Harry found himself newly and happily impervious to gossip over the next few weeks. After all, it made a very nice change to be talked about because of something that was making him happier than he could remember being for a very long time, rather than because he had been involved in horrific scenes of dark magic. Hmm. <laughs> Harry turned. At once, there was that horrible sensation that he was being squeezed through a thick rubber tube. He could not draw breath. Every part of him was being compressed, almost past endurance. And then, just when he thought he must suffocate, the invisible band seemed to burst open, and he was standing in cool darkness, breathing in lungfuls of fresh, salty air. Mmm. I can just smell that. Up your nose with a rubber hose, Mr. Cotter. Okay. Wow. So, Harry and Jenny, pretty hot and heavy. Oh, yeah. They're doing great. They're Ron's wonderful. okay with it. Yeah, Everything's fine. It's really cute. I mean, Harry is just like blissful. And we don't get to see him blissful very often. And Ginny is hilarious, as always, talking about tattoos. And she's like spreading all kinds of rumors. And she's so, I love her delivery of things. She's just so nonchalant about everything. Yeah, She's just a queen. And she's also dating this guy who has like the most mixed reputation in school. Exactly. And she's like, I stand by my man. Abs- stand by your man. Who sings that? Loretta Lynn? No. No. Patsy Klein? No, it's not Patsy Klein. She would Lee? never sing something so patriarchal. Who? Brenda Lee? Maybe. I don't know. I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. Sure. Speaking of you know, being anti-patriarchy, Ginny does have this moment with Ron where she's like, your permission? I didn't need your goddamn permission. Thanks, bruh. Yeah. But, you know, I'm sure that it's comforting to Harry to have his buddies. Let's call it his blessing. His blessing. The blessing. The blessing. Do you want to say grace? What? Grace. Grace. The blessing. Grace. Oh, she died years ago. (laughs) (laughs) It's almost time for Christmas vacation. It's not really, but you know. So Hermione comes busting in, approaching Harris about the Half-Blood Prince again. Yes, she's got some theories. Cannot let it go. She's like, look. How do you know that the prince was a boy? And he's like, because prince is the title given to a male royal person. Right. And she's like, well, check this out. Mm -hmm. I found this girl, Eileen Prince, which I'm pretty sure I went to school with. Oh, really? In real life. Yeah. And it's an old picture of her. Uh And she was captain of the Hogwarts Gobstones team. Cute. Which I'm assuming is like. It's like a game. It's like. Gammon or something. Marbles. It's like a marbles game. Yeah. I bet Amy plays. I bet Amy and Jess play this with runes. Amazing. They're like, oh, you want to come over, Jess, and play a little gobstones? Play a little gobstones? I love it. Yes. So they. Oh, God. This is so cringe. They start (gasps) arguing about, like, the gender of the Half-Blood Prince. Yeah. And I can't help but think, like, if anyone needs to shut the fuck up about gender, it's the author of this series. Um, And it made me feel super cringe. But who cares? It's a little uncomfy. (laughs) It's a little uncomfy. So they're all sitting there having this conversation, kind of casually arguing about the HBP. And 
Jimmy Peaks. What is his name? Jimmy Peaks. Jimmy Peaks, which I'm like, what the? Who the hell's Jimmy Peaks? Uh, he's a, presumably a fellow Gryffindor. Yeah. Yeah. So Jimmy Peaks comes up and he's like, letter, letter, letter from the governor. Unroll the scroll. It's for you, Harry. It's <laughs> like a newsies boy. Well, before we move completely away from the gender thing, I did have a question yeah. for you. That, like, what did what do you think about this theory of Hermione? A, I think it's a stretch. You think it's a stretch? So, okay, because I was going to ask you, like, did that was that a light bulb for you? Were like, huh? I hadn't thought about it as potentially being someone's name. I think it's a red herring because okay. I feel like if J.K. was to make this the reveal. Oh, it was actually someone with the last name Prince. I'd be like, oh, come on. Oh, okay. be like that stupid Glenn underneath the dumpster thing that made me quit watching Walking Dead forever. You have never not been mad over that. Like, no. you've never gotten over and your I anger. And I have an inappropriate term that I call that when a show does that. You can say it. Just say it. It's called a rub and tug. <laughs> it's called a rub and tug. Well, why do you think, here's my other question about from this little exchange. Hermione's like, I think that you just don't think a girl could be that clever. And Harry's like really offended by this. Yeah, but he also says, I can just tell. I can tell it's a dude. It's like a male voice. I can voice, just tell. You know? Which I think, I think if anything's a stretch, it's, I can just tell by the way he writes that it's I a mean, guy. I think that the Half-Blood Prince is a dickhead that's going to get Harry killed. So yeah, it's probably a male. <laughs> but I mean, it, I just found it interesting that Harry was so offended by this implication from Hermione that he's being sexist. Yeah. And it kind of like, well, at first I was sort of like, oh, that's kind of cute. Like he considers himself so not sexist that he's offended by it. Yeah. But then it reminded me of like the hashtag not all men kind of movement where it's like, well, not all men are going to rape you and not all men are like it. <laughs> I think that the best thing that white cis hetero men <laughs> can do right now is to like use their privilege to yeah. help. People that have been marginalized in society. Mm -hmm. Other than that, like, I, I, God, it's going to sound mean. I don't know how much virtue signaling I really fucking want from right. like white dudes. Right. Right. Know? And I don't know how much I can say about things and it not just be like, what, what am I doing? Right. Right. You know. Well, I like what you said, though. I think anytime someone is in a position of privilege, the best thing they can do is use their privilege to amplify the voices of people without that privilege. So I think that's nice. Back to Jimmy Peaks. Anyway, Jimmy Peaks. <laughs> Jimmy Harris, Harris, letter from the governor. <laughs> and he un he unrolls this seven foot by four foot scroll. It never right? says it's that long. Pounds. What is wrong with and you? And it says, Dearest Harris, <laughs> you're completely you know, come to my office immediately. Editorializing. Love Gramps. Okay. Love, <laughs> Love Grandpa Joe. But me and Grandpa Joe. Because I got a golden horcrux. <laughs> I got a piece of Voldemort's soul right Yeah. I mean, the fact that they're going off on this little adventure together. It's the so show, cute. It's very Willy this Wonka. This is like me and my granddad going to watch wrestling when I was a kid or going to yard <laughs> yes. sales, you know? Adorable. Anyway, so Harris is like, boom, I better get my ass up to grandpa's office. <laughs> so he's going down the old seventh floor corridor, which yep. is like the only place this entire book takes place. <laughs> he's going down and he hears like, Jesus Christ, bloody hell, the fuck you say, kick me out of my own bar if I can kick your ass. Wow. And he's like, what the hell? And yeah. he turns the corner and it's drunk ass Trelawney. 
Drinking that cook and sherry, God, dog. Is this, this is another it's really cringe, really cringe, really uncomfortable She's situation. Like, girl, summer. Yeah, no. I've been fully back. So she, go spring break. She has a problem. She has a problem. She has a major problem. I mean, like, you know, one of the telltale signs of addiction is when you're hiding the evidence yeah, of yeah. your addiction. And she basically implies that she has been hiding her bottles in the room of requirement for a long time. But she's like, you know, people think so nasty accusations about me. And da, da, da. it's like, yeah. it's like she's basically being like, people think I'm some kind of drunk or something. Well, Can I help me hide my sherry bottles? Please? Right. It's just, oh God, I feel so, I just, I really feel bad for her. I can't, I, I feel really sorry for so her. So apparently what Harry heard was Trelawney getting kicked out of the room of requirement. Like yeah. the room itself or something kicked her out. And he's yeah. like, wait, you got kicked out of the room of requirement? She's like, I uh, didn't know students know about the room of requirement. <laughs> and she said that she heard a voice inside mm-hmm. and she heard like a whooping yeah. Like a celebratory whooping. Like somebody was like, yes, yes, awesome. Sick, bro. Sick. Sick. <laughs> Sick. And then there's something I want to read that okay. Miss T says. Okay. She's talking about the inner eye, which is really weird. <laughs> You're whisper, talking about the whispering, the whispering eye, eye. From role models. Um, she says, the headmaster has intimated that he would prefer fewer visits from me. She said coldly, I'm not one to press my company among those who do not value it. If Dumbledore chooses to ignore the warnings the cards show, her bony hand closed suddenly around Harry's wrist, again and again, no matter how I lay them out, and she pulled a card dramatically from underneath her shawls. The lightning-struck tower, she whispered, calamity, disaster, coming near all the time. What do you make of this? Well, first of all, when I hear lightning striking a tower, I immediately think of Back to the Future. Well, sure, yeah. You know, so I think <laughs> things are about to get real Back to the Future coming up. <laughs> I mean, that would be, that's save a the really, clock tower. save the clock tower. That's a really specific reference. <laughs> yeah. Know? So that would be kind of strange to see that come to pass. But I think that like, I mean, Dumbledore has a heart for Trelawney. Mm-hmm. He knows that she's an alcoholic. He knows that the safest place for her is in Hogwarts. Yeah. She'll probably never get a job anywhere else. Yeah, she's kind of a hack. She's not great at it. Right. But she is a fellow wizard. And yeah. I think he's just like, no, I don't want to. You can't come to my office anymore because you're always fucking turned. Well, and I don't know I, how much he trusts her like seeing at this point. Yeah. I mean, I think that like as a reader, it's really hard to know. Because and honestly, I think it's kind of masterfully written in the sense that you don't know when to take her seriously. Yeah, you don't know when to believe what she's saying because there have been a lot of times she has gotten it way wrong, but she doesn't always get it wrong. You know, I mean, she had this prophecy with Pettigrew in book three when it's her and Harry in the office, and yeah. it's all and don't forget she had the OG prophecy. Some very important things have come from this Really moment. important things. I think Dumbledore keeps her there mostly for her own safety. I think so, too. But I think that, like, Harry's making a lot of jokes as she's talking about being kicked out of this room. She said, everything goes black, and then I was kicked out of this room. And Harry's like, oh, and you didn't see that coming? It's like, Harry, read the room. Like, it's he can't yeah. resist. He's got to, like, make these little digs. And I want to be like, dude, bruh, by now... You should maybe take her a little bit more seriously. Right. She's not a total joke. She may be turnt right now. And she's about to drop a turd in the punch bowl. She really, really is. 
As soon as Harry hears this description of everything going dark and then she was thrown out, I mean, Harry instantly is like, oh, it's totally Malfoy in there. And so he's like, you need to tell Dumbledore. This is when she launches into, he wants me to come to his office less and blah, 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 blah. He's like, why don't you come with me? That's where I'm headed anyway. He and I have an appointment. He definitely, he doesn't say this, but he wants to see me. So if you're with me, you know, that's probably fine. And they set off on their way. And this is where Trelawney kind of drops this huge bomb. Oh my God. She starts reminiscing about this first interview she ever had with Dumbledore. And then she reveals something really huge. What does she reveal? She's basically like, yeah, the person that overheard me speaking the prophecy in the uh, three broomsticks. The hogshead. Or the hogshead. Mm -hmm. It was mother effing Snape. It was Snape. And Harry fucking loses his mind. He really does. So Snape is the one who overheard the prophecy Mm -hmm. and then told Voldemort, which is what made Voldemort come after my parents and kill them and also... Shoot me in the face of the lightning bolt, Scar. Stamp. <laughs> right. Stamp it up. Lightning bolt. <laughs> lightning bolt. Lightning bolt. Yeah. So you remember this back in book five. Yep. We learned that someone overheard this prophecy, but they didn't stay and listen to the whole thing. They didn't hear all of it. That was the problem. And I don't, I genuinely don't remember if it's said in book five that they left too soon or that they were otherwise interrupted. Because what Trelawney says is basically the barkeep of the hogshead, in, he interrupted because he had caught Snape outside the door. Hey, what are you doing, punk? Right. And so now not only do we know the identity of this person who overheard the prophecy and it's motherfucking Snape. But on top of that, it's also like this wasn't some little henchman who only listened to half the prophecy and then ran off too soon. This is someone who probably fully intended to listen to every single word of it and just got interrupted. And as we know, Voldemort acting on the information that he got, the partial prophecy that he got, he's the one who started this ball roll and he gave Harry his power. He like, Voldemort really screwed himself. Oh, yeah. By listening to this prophecy. Absolutely. Especially by only listening to part of it. Yes. And even the part that he heard, he did not think about it from an objective place. He only thought about it from an ego, I'm the best, I'm so powerful kind of perspective. So, I mean, what do you think about the fact that this was Snape? Well... We'll have to get into Dumbledore's explanation of what happened first. Yeah. So Harry busts into Dumbledore's office. I want to bust down to Dumbledore. (laughs) He comes in. John Mayer kicks open the door. (laughs) And it's hard for me to try to do John Mayer's voice because I always revert to Dave. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, that's a pretty. John Mayer. Very close. Imagine John. John and Dave talking. Hey, John. Hey, Dave. Oh, God. Doesn't he a little bit like, doesn't he have like a, a little, a little deeper. bit deeper voice than you think he would have? I saw him in concert once and he was more turnt than Trelawney. That guy was so drunk. Oh, I think he's really got his shit together now. Oh. Because okay. now he tours with Dead and Company. Oh. And that dude plays and sings all of Jerry Garcia's songs. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Like the Grateful Dead is still together, at least like Bob Weir and a couple of the cats, because John Mayer has like been a Grateful Dead fan his entire life and then has learned the entire fucking body of work. And he's really good. Interesting. 
Because, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. He was so drunk that it ruined the concert. It was not fun. He was probably young and he was oh, yeah. chasing tails. And this was like the, pills, what know? was his first big album? Room for Squares. It was the Room for Squares yeah. tour. It was like that. Neon, neon. Oh, I forgot all about that song. I love that song. Who knows how long. Listen, that's a great album, the whole thing. But I just kind of never really got over that. And I've been really mad at him ever I since. I like that lyric that says... All of our parents, they're getting older. Mm -hmm. I wonder if they wish for anything better while in their memories, tiny tragedies. Jesus. You do like some really depressing lyrics. Oh, I love it. Yikes. So Dumbledore's office. (laughs) Harry busts up in there. Like you said, he is furious. He's like not okay. He's, He's really not okay at this point. Before... You know, really, this whole confrontation happens. He's basically like, so what's up? Did you find one? He's like really curt with Dumbledore. He's really short with him. Dumbledore's like, yep, I'm pretty sure I found one. Do you still want to come with me? And Harry's like, yeah, 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 it's fine. I'm not scared. What do you say? Like he can, you know, so Dumbledore can see something's wrong. And he's like, what's happened? What's, what is this? What's going on here? And Harry reveals what he just found out. There's an interesting line here because it it calls to another line, which unfortunately I can't remember exactly where it is, but I remember that we brought it up. So maybe one of our listeners recently heard that episode or something and can let us know. But boiling with anger at Snape, his desire to do something desperate and risky had increased tenfold in the last few minutes. So as I read this just now, I remembered what it is. It's in book five. It's Snape's worst memory. Basically, he ends up being compelled to look in the pensive at Snape's memory because he's like mad about something or worried about something. He has a tendency to get really reckless when he's upset. Yeah. And I just think that's really interesting. Yeah. (laughs) It's almost like this. I want to feel anything other than what I'm feeling right now, even if that is then danger or fear or whatever. Yeah. It's a problem. It's It's like him processing trauma, I think. Yeah. And so he just kind of turns it into being risky and doing risky things. I think he gets dopamine from that too. Yeah. I think he feels empowered and a little bit more in control. That makes sense. It's like when he feels out of control, he wants to like feel in control, even if it's something risky behavior. And that's kind of classic human behavior. Yeah. I feel like that's very, not to gender behavior, but I feel like that can be a very male expression too, you know, because I don't know. But although maybe maybe that's not true. Maybe it's just different personalities. It's just very hard for me to fathom yeah. doing that. Harry's really, really bold throughout all of this. He basically is accusing Dumbledore of a lot. He's like, you still let him work here after all of this. You're putting everybody in danger. He basically calls him naive. I mean, for all intents and purposes. He's like, dude, you have this guy working for you. He's the reason my parents are dead, but you're looking out for me. Like, how many times do I have to tell you that this guy's a piece of shit? Right. And Dumbledore's, he's in the order. He's in, every time he tells him, he's like, I trust Snape. He's in the order. He's a good guy. Oh, yeah, he used to be a Death Eater, but now he's a good guy. He's reformed, but yet he's still a dickhead to, yeah. to students. Like, it's, you know, this entire series is about Snape. It should be called Here Snape and the Half-Blood Prince. Snape and the Sorcerer's Stone. Listen, listen. This is like the first conversation we've had about Snape in a long time. The first the, the first in a long time, but it's about the 450th conversation we've had about He's Snape. a central character to the series. And I'm excited about where this is going. Yeah. But so he barks at Dumbledore. At one point, he caps lock Harry's the whole fucking thing. Yes. You know? Yes. 
And Dumbledore's like super chill Mm -hmm. because Dumbledore eats benzos all day. (laughs) And he's like, yeah, mate, well, listen, it's not really like that. Like, I know you're upset, right? But have you seen my shoe? I mean, it's 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 identical to this one. Well, as in, it's its mate, not, it's not like, like an evil, evil version. version. <laughs> Russell Brand as Dumbledore needs to happen. Oh my god, Brian Wackler. <laughs> oh my god, Russell Brandledore. Oh wow. So Dumbledore explains. He's like, "Listen, man, Snape made a mistake. Mm-hmm. Yes, Snape was still serving Voldemort at that time." He made a mistake, and I think it's a huge regret for him to this day that he, like, slipped up and did this. Yeah. He just thought he was tattletaling back to his, like, evil boss. I don't think he knew the implications of it. Right. He didn't know. Dumbledore says he didn't know which child he was going to go after. Snape didn't. He just was bringing this information back. He really had no way of knowing. And Harry responds kind of like, oh, well, that's hilarious. And this is the point at which I feel like he calls him naive, Dumbledore. And Dumbledore starts to get a little yes. a little pissed. Absolutely. Because Harry's like, bruh, he hated my father, just like he hated Sirius. Like, of course he knew that this was going to end up in my parents' death. That's why he used this information, because he hated my dad. Yeah. And Dumbledore shuts him down and Dumbledore gets testy with him and he says, I hope you're not saying that I am disregarding the safety of my students. Catches Harry a little wrong footed there. Well, no, that's not what I meant. And then Dumbledore just says, that's all I want to say about it. He does like Forrest Gump. That's all I have to say about that. And he says, I am sure I trust Severus Snape completely. Once again. He puts that stamp on it. I trust him completely. And I have something to say about that, but it's going to come up in a later segment. And oh, and do you notice that it says Dumbledore did not speak for a moment? He looked as though he was trying to make up his mind about something. At last, he said, I am sure I trust Severus Snape completely. Very interesting moment. Harry tells him about Trelawney and the room of requirement and this whole thing. It doesn't really seem to do much. Mm mm. To Dumbledore, it doesn't Still, have much of an effect on him. If I was Harry, I'd be so frustrated with this. But eventually, Dumbledore's like, "Do you still want to go? Do you have you, you going to have an attitude adjustment? Do we still want to go find a Horcrux? Do you want to go with Grandpa?" Oh, this sounds like my mom growing up. <laughs> Are you done? <laughs> oh, you, so you guys don't want to go to the mall then? Okay, <laughs> right, fine. Right. You can just stay home since you want to fight with each other. Exactly. No, no, no. We're not even fighting. We're not even fighting. We're not even fighting. <laughs> right. I feel like this is just such a Dumbledore mom moment. Are you done? Are we done? My mom would say, you guys keep fighting. I'm going to make you go to the mall and try on jeans. Oh, God. It was like a punishment to try on jeans. Well, I can understand that. That sounds awful. So Dumbledore has some very cryptic instructions before they depart for this Horcrux hunt. I wanted to read this part. He says, I take you with me on one condition, that you obey any command I might give you at once and without question. Of course. Be sure to understand me, Harry. I mean that you must follow even such orders as run, hide, or go back. Do I have your word? I, yes, of course. If I tell you to hide, you will do so? Yes. If I tell you to flee, you will obey? Yes. If I tell you to leave me and save yourself, you will do as I tell you? I, Harry, yes, sir. Cryptic. Dumbledore knows that they're going into a really dangerous situation. And he knows Harry. He knows that Harry will be the hero, that he will self-sacrifice, that yeah. he will put himself in harm's way. 
And I think from Dumbledore's perspective, he's like, listen, I'm an old man. This is a young buck who's like presumably the chosen one. He needs to be safe above all else, but I'm going to have to protect him from himself, basically. Yeah, because he knows how hairy he is. Exactly. I think this cave is near Azkaban. Oh, interesting. I think it's on the shore. You know, Azkaban's an island. Mm -hmm. I think this cave is on the shore. Not on the Azkaban island, but I think it's on the shore. Interesting. I think it has something to do with Azkaban somehow. Okay. I mean, Because there's a Voldemort tie-up and Horcruxes, and it just seems like he kind of sticks to the same neighborhoods. That would be, (laughs) yeah, and that would be very cryptic and fitting. So Harris goes back to the common room mm-hmm. because Dumbledore says, go get your visibility cloak, an RC cola, and a moon pie, and meet me back here in like <laughs> God, that 15 sounds minutes, good. you know? <laughs> and so he goes back, but he runs upstairs real quick. He grabs the Marauder's map and a little bundle of socks. Mm-hmm. And you know something else is in the socks. Of course, something's always in the socks. So he comes down and he's like, listen, 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 I've got to fucking go. I've got to meet Dumbledore. I don't have time to explain this shit, but here you go. Hermione, you've got to look at this Marauder's map mm-hmm. every single day. You've got to see where Malfoy is. You've got to keep up with the shit that I've been doing. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I don't want it. He's like, and he's like, Ron, here's the Felix Felicis wrapped up in these here socks. Yes. He was like, I need you to take this job in case you need it to bust Malfoy for his malfeasance. Malfoy's malfeasance. Right. Yes. And they're like, we're not trying. What are you talking? I'm not trying to look at it. He's like, just do it. I just do what I say. Mm-hmm. I have to go. Grandpa's waiting for me in the car. <laughs> Grandpa's outside. Her, her, in the station wagon. Honking, 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 you know? Yeah. And then uh, HP and Dumbledore, they hold hands. They walk out. And I love how, like, the grounds are always described. Like, Harry smells like the damp mm-hmm. grass and the wood smoke coming from Mm. Uh, Hagrid's cabin and it makes you feel like as a reader like oh no we're leaving the safety of Hogwarts again yeah I always feel so nervous when we leave Hogwarts because I feel like I'm safe at Hogwarts yeah like I have Dumbledore's protection right I don't feel that way when we leave Hogwarts and the writing style kind of changes when you leave Hogwarts too like absolutely things become a little bit more frenetic and dangerous I think that's a really good point I mean even when they first get into Hogsmeade and they're encountering they're like passing by the three broomsticks the very first thing that we see is Rose Murda's like forcibly ejecting you know a patron who I guess was you know fucking around or whatever but immediately we see this like altercation it's very sudden it's kind of like you imagine if you were there it would make you jump and yeah and harry asked him like don't you think it looks a little weird like you leaving the school he was like well i slip out to the bar like a few nights a week (laughs) you know and it's least an excuse for me to like be seen leaving like maybe he doesn't always go to the bar but he kind of like all right i'm going to the bar yeah and he says to rosmerta you know no offense but i think i'm gonna go to the hogshead where it's a little quieter so he's got this like alibi I guess. Right. Yeah. It's, He's like, I want to drink with children in a quieter place. Very clever. Yeah. Which is like every brewery now, by the way. You know, that's it. They apparate to the yeah. the bar scene and they're, I don't know, like, they're going to the cave. Right. Why are they going to Hogsmeade? Well, that's what you were just saying. They walk into Hogsmeade. And then they apparate. Then to they the disapparate to the cave because that's what Dumbledore is saying is I'm not going to go right outside the grounds of 
Hogwarts and then disapparate, anyone at the castle, if they looked at me right now, would just think I'm going to get a drink in Hogsmeade. And then once he's out of the view of anyone in Hogsmeade, then he disapparates. I wonder if when they get there, it's going to be the ghost of Sirius Black walking around with that giant bucket Jesus of chicken. Jesus Christ, here we go. Throwing him chicken bones on You're the ground. You're so all the mad that you never got that in what the movie. What if one of the Horcruxes is Sirius's bucket of fried chicken? The whole bucket? His KFC 16-piece party bucket. You mean like the bucket itself that held the chicken? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, then they need to go back on the outskirts of Hogsmeade, which is where the little cave was that Sirius was hanging out eating chicken. Oh, man. Like, one time. And then you've kid, never let it go. the little meal pack. You <laughs> open it up, and it has, like, a chicken breast and mashed potatoes and gravy. Oh, I never got the coleslaw. You're making and me so hungry. big old biscuit. Oh, Stop. God, it was so you're making me hungry. And my Patronus moment is about food. I haven't Jesus. eaten KFC in, like, 40 years. <gasps> I haven't eaten KFC in a long time. A really long time. Did you ever have the school mashed potatoes and gravy and it was like turkey gravy? Yeah. And it was disgusting it's and it horrible. was so good at the same time. I know. It's like I shouldn't like this, but I really like it. Yeah. But I think it's like I like it because it's nostalgic. I think as a kid, I didn't really like it. What's weird is if you eat like soy products, like soy hamburger and soy chicken patties, you're like, oh my God, this tastes just like school food because apparently there was like yeah. 50% of it was soy. Way cheaper. Way cheaper. And plus, soy keeps better than I remember meat. asking my mom when I was a kid, why are there beans in the hamburgers? And she was like, what are you talking about? Because you could look down at your hamburger yeah. patty if you lift the bun up, that little gray, nasty patty. Ugh. But you could see, like, you could see beans. And it was soybeans. It yeah. was, like, pressed into it. Yeah. I mean, I love a veggie burger, though, now. Yeah. You know, without the, the beef part. Without the beans. Without, and maybe like keep your beans and your beef separate. Chicken in the room. Jesus Christ. What is your prophecy? I'm really curious about this. Well, here's a mini prophecy. Oh. Mini prophecy is that the hoop and hollering in the room of requirement, it was Malfoy, and it's him finding the potions book with the Half-Blood Prince stuff that (gasps) Harry stashed there. Interesting. But that's just a little micro prophecy. Micro prof. My biggest prophecy is that Snape can't break, he literally can't break Dumbledore's trust because he has taken some sort of unbreakable vow. Mm. Dumbledore has forced Snape to take an unbreakable vow. I think that's the whole deal. It was like, hey, you were a fucked up kid. Mm-hmm. You served Voldemort. Then you felt bad about it. Then you kind of like decided to go on the good side. And I think Dumbledore was like, look, you can be under my protection. And I'll protect you because Snape, if Snape is not in Hogwarts, he is a dead man, in my opinion. Right. Voldemort right. and the Death Eaters are coming after this dude. Remember when Voldemort said... You know, I got one that wants to hold me, two that want to scold me, three says she's a friend of mine or whatever. Like, right. he does that whole Eagles line, and he's like, one of you who, like, served me and then betrayed me, and he's talking about Snape. I think Dumbledore said, you want to live here? You want to be under my protection? You want to always have a job and a place to live? Mm-hmm. Then you have to take this vow or okay. some kind of, like, protective curse. So it's like... I think Snape, I've always said he serves two masters. I don't think he has a choice. Even if he wanted to go serve Voldemort, he can't because of the magical protections. 
Interesting. And we did see the unbreakable vow at the top of this book, and Snape was engaging in an unbreakable vow. So it's not that much of a stretch to assume that this is something that he's maybe done before. Yeah. Interesting. I love it. What's your drunk on Sherry Hedwig's digital get down hoot? Our Hedwig's digital get down comes. From Caroline. Oh, the greatest voice in the UK. The greatest voice ever. She sent us three really excellent questions. And so we're going to kind of sprinkle them through the remainder of the season. But I thought that we've done like some fairly heavy questions recently. And so this one's really kind of fun. Okay. And I thought, it up we'd, I thought we'd lighten it up a little bit this week, especially before we, we start getting into the really heavy end parts of this book. So let's hear from Caroline. Hi, Kevin Amanda. Um, so I don't know if any of the other listeners have noticed, it's quite subtle, um, but very, re- very, very rarely you've kind of dropped into conversation just in passing um, that you quite like musicals. I think maybe once or twice um, you've mentioned In the Heights and, and Hamilton and, and Moana. I think rarely, it's not obvious, but like sometimes you drop in songs and things. Um, it's It's not... It's not obvious, you know, but I just thought, oh, you're quite quite a fan of quite a fan of the musicals. Um, so anyway, I heard a question on another podcast, um, and I thought, uh, Kevin Amanda would have a great answer for this. So um I stole that question. Um, which was if you could take the Harry Potter series and make it into like a Broadway musical, what would you be most excited about? Like which scenes would you most be excited about seeing as like a huge, like, um, song, like a duet or like a whole cast song covering the key things, like which moments of the series would you most be excited to adapt into a musical and like what, might that look like if you could envision? I'm sure, as you, you've mentioned a couple of times, you quite like musicals that maybe you might have a couple of good ideas for this. Um, excited to hear what you think. Loving the podcast. Bye. I'm really surprised that you picked up on this because I feel like we never sing. She's a very on the show. Listener. <laughs> she must read the show notes. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> So I thought of like seven, right? As she was, really, right? I'm listening to do tell. Okay. So one is similar to in the live action Beauty and the Beast. Looking at you, Kelly Moore, just watch it. Give it a chance. Oh, it's it's amazing. Is she refusing? Okay. Kelly Moore is a huge Beauty and the Beast fan, has still not seen the live action. She's holding out. I understand it though. I I get it. If you're afraid it's going to ruin it, I I get it. Hermione, for God's sake. I know. I think it's really good. Well, there's this song. Sitting in my lonely tower. Yes. Which I love. You sing it all the time. Yes. Staring at an open door. Well, um, you know who does a great version of that? That's on the soundtrack? Uh, one of these vocalist guys that had his start on one of those voice shows. Um, hmm. Not Michael Bublé. Mop the floor, bitches. Not him. Um, Josh Groban? Yeah, Josh Groban. He didn't get his start on one of those seasons. That's he did not, no. 17-year-old Josh Groban. That's not a thing. So uh, I can imagine Forenzi. Is it Forenzi or Forenzi? We never. Forenzi. I think it's Forenzi. I can imagine him just like, 
I've been cast out by my people. Ooh, you want to see a forensic song. I said yay and they said nay. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> now I'm in this shitty classroom that looks <gasps> just like the Rainforest Cafe. Oh, nice. that's a good one. Okay. Um, After Cedric dies mm. and everyone realizes it and... When Harry reappears at the Tournament of Champions and he's holding Cedric's severed head or whatever, you it's know. No, like, it's way less gruesome than that, but sure, yes. It's sitting in the trophy, like, looking around. No. But I can just imagine the crowd, like, Alabanza. Stop it. I'm going to cry. Alabanza, Doña Cedric. <laughs> There's that. Um, let me think of what else would be good. Uh, oh, at the Quidditch World Cup. Mm-hmm. When the Death Eaters come in and start trashing everything, there they go. They're trashing the camp. What do we do? We got to get out of here. Like that whole thing. But then wow. the Death Eaters come in and they're singing. Very West Side Story. What you were just doing. Ooh. Ooh, I like it. All of these half-blood, mud-blood, non-magical creatures must die. Wow. And then Harry's going, but why don't you see the dark mark in the sky? You're really good at this. Okay. What do you have? Okay. So I don't have nearly that many ideas. Uh, The one that comes to mind for me would be a very sad ballad that is Sirius Black stuck in Grimald Place by himself like just wandering the halls of the house, just singing this really mournful yeah. ballad. <laughs> this bucket of chicken. <laughs> does not have a bucket of chicken. You have got to get over the bucket of chicken. <laughs> but Just this very like mournful, I can't make up lyrics. You know that I can't do that. I'm not the one of the two of us who can do that. That is all you. Nina, the only chicken you could eat in Grimald's Jesus place Christ. is dark meat. Oh, my God. We cut dad jokes for a reason. Okay. They're gone. Terrible. I listen to your songs. Listen to my songs. Okay. So that's one. Sing it. I don't know. I just got done saying I can't make up lyrics. I don't know. But I would imagine this would be a song that's kind of like... Kind of like an I Wish song. Yeah. So if you're not familiar, I Wish songs, every single Disney movie has an I Wish song. So the main character has some kind of song about what she wants from her life. Entangled, it's When Will My Life Begin. In Moana, it's, um, what's the name of, it calls me, How Far I'll Go. That's the song. Yeah, and um, Little Mermaid, it's like part of your part world. Of your world. Yeah. Yes, exactly. The I Wish song. So I feel like that would be kind of Sirius Black's I Wish song would be like, when am I going to get out of Grimal Place? And in fact, that's kind of my idea in general would just be all the main characters' I Wish songs. We could start the musical with Harry in his little cupboard. Oh. You know. Wish I could be a real boy. Stop it. Wish I could be a magician boy. <laughs> Wish I could be a big wizard man, but I can't. He doesn't even know about magic at the beginning of the book under the cupboard. But if he just is like wishing that he could have like a birthday party or wishing that he could have a full goddamn meal. What about Dobby? Oh, Dobby would be a jaunty little song. What about It's a Hard Knock Life for us with all the elves in the kitchen? Stop it. And then Winky's like, It's a Hard Knock Life for us. Yes, exactly. Yes. I think Winky is Trelawney's spirit animal. 
I love that. Oh, I wish those two would just hang out. They probably could provide a lot of support for each other or they would enable the shit out of each other. I don't know. I would love a split stage Dumbledore Voldemort. Oh. They're thinking about each other and Voldemort's like the one who always stands in my way. I love puts it. Protection on this wretched place. I and then love Dumbledore, it. he's on the other side of the stage and he's like, I will spend my life protecting this fine school and castle. I love oh, that. The split stage God, would be amazing. And Another thing that I really like in a typical musical, although now that I think about it, In the Heights does not have one of these, is the um, kind of the villain song. So like in Hamilton, um, The Room Where It Happens would be that song where the villain becomes the villain. So like in The Lion King, um, Be Prepared is when Scar really like steps into the role of villain. I usually love a good villain song like uh, Poor Unfortunate Souls is another one, right? And I realize we're talking mostly Disney movies and not musicals, but I feel like most musicals also have, you know, this kind of, it's usually in a minor key. It's usually very, um, it's edgy. It's usually very cocky on the part of the villain. What about Tom Riddle, young Tom Riddle? And he's starting to like turn, you know, and they use like a Pepper's ghost illusion to make his face start changing on stage. Stop it. And he starts out and he's like, they don't understand who I really am. Oh my God. I will be a powerful sorcerer someday. <gasps> Stop and it. as he's singing, he starts incorporating more S's. And his voice starts to change as he gets older. That's amazing. That would also be quite a feat of acting for the actor playing. Oh. You know, either young, maybe the actor plays young Tom Riddle and Voldemort. I mean, it would be heavy prosthetics and makeup regardless. So like, sure. But we can do that between act one and act two. Right. Oh, and I love usually the song that ends act one before intermission, you know, in, in the heights, it's fireworks. It's always a great song. We could go on for hours about this, Caroline. Yes. In Wicked, it's Defy Gravity is the song in between acts one and two, because I found my old playbill from when I saw Wicked. And you were so excited. I was so excited. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Anyway, very, very cool question. And you and I love a good show on stage, whether it's a musical or not. Yes. Although I actually don't love most musicals. <laughs> so That's most, true. Like traditional musicals. I'm up first with marriage lessons. Oh. Oh, look at you. My marriage lesson comes from the line... Almost at the very end of the chapter, I'll be fine. I'll be with Dumbledore. Mm. Love that line. So my marriage lesson is voice your trust in your partner. Not just trust your partner, because if you don't trust your partner, I think you've got bigger fish to fry. But voice your trust in your partner. If you trust them, tell them that you trust them. You know, it's when we go on a trip, I don't have a worry in the world because you will think of everything to bring and to pack. I will forget something. You will have thought of it. It's just part of my trust in you. (laughs) So I'm going to make a concerted effort to voice that more to you. I like this a lot. Yeah, thank you. You're so good at the marriage lessons. That's really nice of you to say. Thank you. Thanks. What's your marriage lesson? My marriage lesson comes from Harry busting into Dumbledore's office, Mm -hmm. right? Instead of like going and getting the facts... He reacts emotionally. And yeah. the lesson is show up, don't blow up. <laughs> Love it. And it's easy to remember because it rhymes. Yeah. And that is, you know, 
sometimes you have to approach someone and say, hey, here's the deal. I just heard this alarming bit of news about Snape. I'm super fucking upset right now. Mm -hmm. I feel like you have hidden something from me that's very hurtful. Mm -hmm. And give the other person room to explain instead of just blowing up. Yes. He didn't show up. He blowed up. He blowed up. Big time. Beautiful. I love it. Well, are you ready to roll the credits? Sure. (laughs) Why not? Got nothing better to do. The episode will be right back. First, I wanted to take a second and tell you more about connecting with us and supporting the show. Following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook is the best way to stay updated on our upcoming chapters for the week, special events and announcements, recaps of the prophecy and marriage lessons from the latest episode, and more. You can find us on Instagram at the Fox and the Foxhound, on Twitter at Fox and Foxhound, know these, and at Facebook.com slash the Fox and the Foxhound. If you'd like to chat with us and with other listeners, or Foxies as they've been christened, join us on Discord. Just head to our website, thefoxandthefoxhound.com, and click the Join Us on Discord button right there on the home screen. We're getting ready to give our Marauder patron shoutouts for the week, and you too could join that list. This show is funded solely by our patrons. Thank you, patrons! So if you like what we do and want to help us continue to do it, Patreon is the most direct way to show your support. Membership levels range from $1 to $20 a month and come with great benefits, including early episode release, exclusive patrons-only Discord channels, and even digital art, which is new this season. Check it out at patreon.com slash thefoxandthefoxhound. Finally, we want to thank two special people, Judson Hurd, who composed the original theme for our show. You can find out more about Judson and his music at judsonherd.com, J-U-D-S-O-N-H-U-R-D.com. And our manager of mischief, dungeon master, and brother from another mother, Josh Bailey. Be sure to check out Josh's ongoing D&D campaign, Casting Roles, on YouTube and Twitch. Okay, let's get back to the episode. All right. It is time for winners and losers. How exciting. Who is your winner? Hermione. Nice. Why Hermione? Because she's not letting this HBP thing go. Yeah, and she shouldn't. Right. It's a big deal. She's doing her research. I love it. She's doing quality scientific research, like watching YouTube videos from random nut jobs on the internet. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. Research. Um, My winner, I also chose Hermione. Nice. Yes. For thinking outside the patriarchy. Right. And going, maybe a half-blood prince is a woman. Ever thought about that? Ever thought about that, now HP? Now zooming who? Mm-hmm. So, unanimous in our winner. Who's your loser? I hate to do this, but I got to give it to Trelawney. Ooh, okay. Not because she's drinking alcohol. She okay. has a problem, and we need to be empathetic towards that mm-hmm. situation. But she just, like, was sloppy, and she kind of spilled some beans, and she's kind of, like, yeah. set Harry off on this tear now. Yeah, I'll be honest. I thought about giving it to Trelawney, too. So I I feel you on that. Uh, My loser. I'm giving it to Harry. Mm. Because once again, he cannot control his emotions. He's got to get better at this. 
I realize it's a tall order and it's not just as simple as that to control one's emotions, but he has got to make some progress. I swear he's getting worse. Yes, it's a problem. Time for Patronus moments. Ooh, I love these. Mine is so silly this week. I love it. Let's hear it. Okay. I do not normally crave meat, but every now and then I get low in iron. I tend to run kind of low in iron. And so I know that if I'm really craving meat, I probably need to eat something either super high in iron or I need to just go get a damn hamburger. So... This week was one of those weeks I was kind of was like really craving a hamburger. And so I got a Happy Meal because I was like, well, at least I didn't know this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this was like during work. It was like during the work week. So I didn't want like a large hamburger. I just wanted something small. And I was like, well, I can just get a Happy Meal then. And then I'll get some iron and it'll be fine. So I got a little Happy Meal and I got it with a Sprite because I kind of just wanted to recreate my childhood. Let's just be honest. And that's what I always got. I got a little cheeseburger and the little thing of fries and a little Sprite. What was the prize? It was a Space Jam toy. So I was like, I literally feel like I'm a child again. Because that was my whole Patronus moment is that the cheeseburger tasted exactly the same as I remember it. Because I haven't had a McDonald's cheeseburger. And I mean, I literally could not tell you the last time. And I always got Happy Meals when I was a kid. And, you know, it's that little tiny thin burger with the little minced pickles mm-hmm. and the little American cheese. And, yeah. you know, it it's tasted all flat. Yes. It tasted exactly the same as I remembered it. It came in the little box, just like it always used to. The little fries tasted the same. The Sprite with all of it was so nostalgic. And then on top of that, I got a Space Jam toy. Where's the toy? I gave it to my coworker so she could give it to her child. Oh, cute. <laughs> yeah. But it was like Sylvester and you put the little ball on his finger and there was a trigger on the back oh, and it would neat. spin, which I swear was one of the original Space Jam toys. Probably was. In the Happy Meal. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. There's a glitch in the matrix. I'm now a child again. But it felt kind of nice. It was this really nostalgic. I just remembered what it was like to be like eight years old again kind of feeling. It was really cool. Cool. In the collecting world, you call those a fast food premium. Oh, what does that mean? The Happy Meal toy? Yeah. It's called a fast food premium. Oh, okay. Or a restaurant premium. Cool. Very nice. What's your Patronus moment? I didn't have anything worth a shit happen to me in the past week. So That's I didn't come up not with one. true. God. <laughs> so my Patronus moment is I, for the first time in five months, was able to walk on sand. Yes. And go out to the beach and put my feet in the water. Yes. Now we live terribly close to the ocean. Really? Like we really live close. about 12 miles in a couple different directions. From different beaches. Yeah. So I could leave the house in 20 minutes. I could be standing in the water at the beach. You live here for a long time. And some of you who live on the coast know this. You start to kind of take it for granted. Yes. First of all, in the summer, it's a colossal pain in the ass because it's bumper to bumper traffic. You have to pay expensive parking. You drag all your shit out there. There's no shade. It's really hot. It's kind of like a. it takes up your whole day. Yes. But 
I went out with a friend of mine after work in the evenings, and we went down to a place called Fort Fisher, which is the site of a Civil War battle. Mm -hmm. And I was able to find a place where I didn't have to walk very far from like the pavement across the sand. It was was maybe like 50 feet of sand before I could get to the water. Yeah. I was like, you know what? I haven't. I'm not supposed to be walking in sand with my ankle while I was in recovery, but I'm at like five months now. Yeah. And my limp is like getting less and less pronounced. And I was like, I'm doing it. I'm putting my damn feet in the water. Yes. And so I walked out and put my feet in the sand mm. and the water feels so good. And it was just like, I knew I would be back. And now I know that I can walk on the sand well enough barefoot yes. to where I can go to the beach again. I love that. And pretty soon tourist season will end and it will be locals beach season again. Yes. And just like, I was just so, so happy. That's wonderful. And I just breathed Mm. in the salt water and it's just something about the ocean. Like we might have some listeners that have never seen the ocean. Right. You know, never like been to the beach before because that's pretty common. Yeah. But man, if you could just stand in the ocean and it reminds you of how big the world is Mm -hmm. and how we're all connected and how that water is ancient. And it's the same water that lapped the Roman ships is the same water that's lapping at your ankles. It's just like brings everything back to me. And also the place where I was is like probably like my favorite place on earth. It's where I feel like it's almost like a horcrux for me. Like I feel like part of my soul kind of lives out there. Yeah. So that was it. It was really Really nice. Beautiful. Yeah. And it's, yeah, the the ocean is the best thing too. If you have like a cut on your leg or if you have like a sore muscle or something, just go swim in the ocean. You will feel 10 times better. It's good for your spirit. Yes. And the best time to swim in the ocean, I think, is like September because it's still hot, but then the ocean has had the entire summer of getting warm. And so it's, oh, wonderful. Yeah, we're going to have to get some some early fall ocean swimming in. Well, let's shout out our marauders. And I'm going to call your memory back to the very top of this chapter when Ginny is hilariously talking about tattoos. And so I want to know what what tattoo our marauders would have or even just what tattoo Ginny would spread the rumor is that they have, even if it's not. I'm going to tell you what tattoos they actually have. (laughs) For some of them, you may know that. So let's start with our newest marauder, Chris Chabrosky. Chris Chabrosky, come on down. Yeah. I think Chris is going to get a tattoo that I've always wanted to get. What? You know, the classic peace dove? Yeah. And it's got the little branch in its mouth. Mm -hmm. And it symbolizes in like the Bible, Noah's Ark, they sent this dove out and he found land, Mm -hmm. which they knew, okay, the water's receding, the flooding is like about to be over because he brought back this branch. Yeah. And it's a symbol of peace and of God's promise to the people and all this stuff. I've always wanted a tattoo of the same dove, Mm -hmm. but with a piece of chain coming out of his mouth instead of a that. twig. I love because that. Because it's like no justice, no peace. Yes. So that's what Chris is going to get. Sorry, Chris, you're getting it. I'm There's just, it. you know, there there you go. Yes. How about Kit and Demi? So this could be individually. This could be they have the same tattoo because they as a couple are our marauder. Yes. I think that they're going to get arm tattoos that like match up. Like they have to hold their arms out. To Love show it. each other, you know, and yes. it just says bugger off. Bugger off. It's inside of a heart, but it says bugger off. I think that's phenomenal. Yes. How about Larissa Oatman? 
Larissa Oatman. She's going to get like a Gemini sign with the symbol of the twins to represent her children. That would be so cool. How about Senia Jorgensen? I could see Senia with like um, a really ornate flower, like a big floral piece, like maybe a full sleeve. that's just all like beautiful flowers. And it's all flowers from like her hometown. Have you seen... Our friend Grace has like a, on her forearm, has this beautiful flower. I can't remember what kind of flower it is, but it's just this intricate, beautiful flower. I've never noticed that. The yeah. actress Grace? Yeah, our friend Grace. Yeah. Hilarious Grace. Yes. Yes. Phenomenal actress too. Such a great Probably actress. Probably like one of my top favorite in town ever. Yes. Amazing. Grace Berry, we love you and want to be you when we grow up. Right. If <laughs> we ever grow up. If we ever do, which we may not. How about Amy Sophia Mayer? Oh, I think it's got to be something gothic. Yeah. You know. Like a rune or. Yeah, but it's going to be like maybe I could see Amy doing like a quarter sleeve maybe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's all of this shit from like Jane Eyre and Bram Stoker and all this like gothic literature. So it's like an old iron cemetery gate with the moon coming down. And a rune and that it, it also ha- will have some kind of like pretty sensual thing, like a dying black rose or something. I love that. Speaking of Amy, while I'm thinking of it, Amy and the warden are starting a Game of Thrones podcast. Stop it. I will not stop it. It's true. I love both of their voices. Too. I know. Oh, and we're going to have a good Brit. American voice matchup. Yes. They're going to be wonderful together. Play. I think they're, the energy they both have is going to play yeah. off of each other so well. They're going to be reading through the Game of Thrones books. I think there's multiple books. Yeah. I admittedly know nothing about Game of Thrones. So if that's something that you're into, I think they have started recording them. And shame on me, I actually cannot remember the date they premiere, but we How will cool. we'll blow it up on our social media. Yeah. Also um, like two of the smartest people oh my I've God. ever met. It's going to be so, so, so good. Well, while we're on the subject, why don't you go ahead and give a tattoo to the warden herself? The warden. The warden. Case closed. <laughs> oh, I know what she's going to get. You know, in Pirates of the Caribbean, there's like the three guys that are in jail and the dog's got the keys in his mouth and they're like trying to like entice the dog to come so they can get the keys and get out. That's what she's going to get. That full back piece. Ooh, love it. Full color back piece, Disney Pirates of the Caribbean. I love it. How about Austin Scroggins? Keep Austin weird. Oh my God. But like spelled like his name because he spells his name differently than the city. (gasps) Please do this. Hannah Gibb Zabovaneta. Mm, she does exist among us. <laughs> I think she's going to get Thug Life letters across her belly, uh-huh. the Bovinator. Thug Life. Oh, oh, I see what you mean. The font of Thug Life, yeah. but it says the Bovinator. Yeah. Fantastic. Yes. Or it just says sus. <laughs> Except she's not sus. She's a very good imposter when she, yeah. Mm-hmm. How about Lexi Fage? I think Lexi's going to get um, no regrets. No regrets. Across her chest. No regrets. Ironically, deliberately misspelled. Yeah. Yes. What mm- movie is that from? Um, it's the one with the RV and Jennifer Aniston and Jason Sudeikis. Yes. And it's one. like a drug smuggling movie. I can't remember the name of it. I'll put it in the show notes. How about Michael Terry? Michael Terry. I think Michael has tattoos. I think so. I think so. I don't really know. I don't know. 
I could see Michael getting something that's like really symbolic. Mm-hmm. It's not like a photo or it's not like photorealistic, but it's something really symbolic that he made up. Two miniature golf clubs. Oh. Crossed in an X over a chalice full of bourbon. Ooh. With like the sun shining heavenly light down. Oh my God. It's really intense. Yeah. It's fantastic. How about Pete Collins? Pete Gallons. Pete. God, the pictures of Pete with his students were freaking adorable. We still aren't over it. Like, we still haven't gotten over it. Um, we're going to give Pete a big Socrates tattoo. Ooh, like the Full image of the man, Socrates? Of like Socrates teaching people. Ooh, love the Socratic that. method. Love that. How about Ben Clark? Ben Clark. Ben's such a badass. He probably has tattoos. I, Ben's one of those people that I bet he could get a tattoo and like, not flinch. Oh, He's yeah. He's just talking to the guy about the freaking basketball game or something. Absolutely. Like, no pain whatsoever. None. I think that he's going to get Gerald. Big neck tattoo. <gasps> of Gerald the spider. Now, we wouldn't see it when his beard is really long, but just a big neck tattoo of a spider. Would be really intimidating and kind really of Really cool. Yeah. But he could take it. Really cool. How about Heather Bevels? I don't think Heather has any tattoos, but I might be wrong. I don't. I Oh, gosh. I don't think she does. If she does, she has like maybe one little one. We're going to do for Heather Bevels a really simplified pencil drawing version of a Frank Lloyd Wright house. Ooh. Like the beginning sketches of Wright's like beginning <sighs> sketches. That's what it will be like a cool architectural tattoo. You're really good at this, by the way. How about Dean Heath? Oh, what do you think he's going to get? It's going to get up. He's going to get a Panthers keep pounding tattoo. Like with the Panther head logo. Or he might get across his knuckles. Rad dad. Because he is a rad dad. Yeah. Very much. How about Vicky Gutherless? She's going to get Rick's. A tattoo of a jack-o'-lantern. Mm-hmm. But the jack-o'-lantern, it's Rick's face carved into it. Oh, my and it's God. it's going to say, Rick or treat. <gasps> You're so good at this. I want all of these individuals to get all of these tattoos. How about Kara Heller? Kara Heller. We're going to give Kara like a classic Flash tattoo. You know what Flash is? Mm-mm. That's like when you go to a tattoo parlor and you see that style of like an anchor and it yeah. says mom. Yeah. We're going to give her some kind of flash tattoo. Fantastic. You know, like an eight ball. I with love like it. a burning cigarette and a martini yes. or like a pinup girl, like that type of stuff. That's so great. How about Josh Bailey, who already has some very cool tattoos? He does. What does Josh need for his next tattoo? You know, don't threaten Josh with a good time. He'll go get the damn He'll thing this week. Definitely go get it. How about... Uh, two like D and D die. Ooh, D twenties. Yeah, yeah. I he like should a get a D twenty or two tattooed on him. I'm kind of surprised he doesn't have one. Get on it, Josh. God, Sarah Epting. I don't know if Sarah has tattoos. Pretty sure she does. Okay. Um, Sarah, we're going to give her that, the, uh, him, that hand, what's the hand called? The Hamza. The Hamza. Which is, at least it's Hamza in Arabic, but it's usually, um, yeah, it means five in Arabic, but it's like protecting us, the evil eye, that hand. Yeah. yeah the Hamza. Maybe two Hamzas like high-fiving in the air. I 
think is that's, that disrespectful? Yeah, I think you don't want to do that. Okay. <laughs> just the one. My, my burst. Don't cancel me. <laughs> How about Mallory Gallagher? Mallory Gallagher. Mallory Gallagher. In our Lin-Manuel musical, that's how her name is said. She's getting a Lin-Manuel tattoo. <gasps> I want a Lin-Manuel tattoo. And it's going to say, I wrote my way out. Stop it. Stop. God, that's a great tattoo for a writer. Mm-hmm. I'm not a writer, so I would be a total hack getting that tattoo. Yeah, I'm not either. Oh, Jennifer Ayers. Hennifer. Hennifer. Or as Graham's and Dawson's Creek would say, Jennifer. Jennifer. We're going to give Jennifer like um, like a nice pine tree silhouette. Beautiful. Beautiful. Like mountains in the background, you know, going down her right arm, her forearm. You have a really specific placement for this one. I love yeah. it. That's great. Daniel Marks. D Marks, we're going to give him a DMB tattoo. Okay. Right? Not Maybe not the dancing lady because okay. that's a little too... It's a little done. It's a little done. It's a little trite. Um, I mean... I've seen some Dave Matthews tattoos that I thought were pretty cool. Okay. I think maybe we'll give Daniel the, um, I saw one that was um, a big eyed fish. You know, the song big eyed fish. Yes. Which is one of my favorite Dave songs, but it was like this cartoon fish with big eyes opening up. Ooh. And so the whole tattoo, oh, we're going to expand on this mm-hmm. full back piece for Daniel. Oh my. Right. There's water at the bottom. The big eyed fish is coming out. Mm-hmm. Then there's the monkey in the tree. Right. Mm-hmm. A lot of imagery from like Dave Matthews stuff. Then you'll see a pig in the background because that'll be his shout out to me because I like the song pig mm-hmm. and it will just go from there. All like song references. I love There'll it. Be like Carter's saxophone somewhere, nice. you know, not Carter's saxophone. I sound like that drunk girl. Uh, Leroy Moore's saxophone. Yes. Carter's drumsticks. Yes. Oh, that's so nice. That's so nice. Daniel's like, no, nah, I'm good, bro. <laughs> I think he would do it. That 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 drunk girl at the concert, by the way, I told her off. I'm very proud of myself. Oh, my God. She said, it's by Stephen Carter. Isn't that the drummer, Stephen Carter? She was in the middle of a global pandemic all up in my face. I like when you told her off. Part of the thing you said was, it's a new world and we're all trying to get used to it. Exactly. <laughs> you need to back up. <laughs> I don't know you. I don't know if you're vaccinated. Anyway, how about Breanne Brown, double B? I'm scared. You know what it's going to be. Oh, my God. The city seal. The the Cleveland skyline. Oh, yeah. The seal of the city. (laughs) That would be sick. So on her wrist, (laughs) right on her like wrist, not the top, but the bottom. One is the seal of the town of Cleveland. The other one is the brown symbol from like the helmet. Oh my God. All right. Get on it, Brianne. <laughs> Brianne's going to find herself one day, like on a work trip or otherwise. They're like, yeah, would you like to come to Cleveland? And she's like, I, I can't. I, I can't. can't. I'm, I have trauma. How about Faith Kenfield? We're going to give Faith um, like the picture of like a wall mm-hmm. with the cornerstone. You know, the stone that the builder refuses shall always be the chief cornerstone. Yes. Because I like the name Faith. It's about solid foundation, you know? Yes. Fantastic. Josh Kennedy. Josh Kennedy is going to get the tattoo of a pocket square 
Oh my God. That's amazing. Like he has a suit on, but he doesn't. He takes his shirt off and there's a pocket square. I love it. How about Maeve Richards? You know, those really um, pretty like bird silhouette patterns that you see for like wallpaper and that type of stuff. Yeah. We're going to give her like wrapping around one of her arms. I'm all about like the big tattoos. I love it. Just like little birds. Mm. They get closer and farther away. That is so cool. That would look amazing. Amber Biggs. Amber Biggs is going to get tattoos of her kids, Mm -hmm. but they're going to be in robes. So they look like they're Hogwarts students. That's so cute. How about Chris White? Chris White is going to get like a seed. And mm-hmm. then there's a sapling and then a larger tree and then a larger Ooh. tree until it's a full grown tree because he's about nurturing the youth. Oh, that's so it's nice. Growth. That's so nice. That would also be a really cool tattoo. How about Kelly Moore? Kelly Moore is going to get a tattoo of Emma Watson from the live action Beauty and the Jesus Beast. Jesus Christ. Full back piece. Wow. Wow. Or I think what would be good for Kelly is um, probably a river song tattoo. Mm, okay. All right. Nick Tillman. Nick's going to be the tattoo of a gold chain hanging around his neck. Hot. I love it. (gasps) Melissa Hunter. I'm the hunter. She's going to do the, um, what you always refer to as the hot fox from Robin Hood. Yes. Hot. Hot fox from Robin (laughs) Hood. The hot fox. Yes, you totally should. Robin Hood and little John walking through the forest. (laughs) Lindsay Prestige. (laughs) Lindsay Prestige, we're giving her a full back piece of one of the Disney Park castles. Cool. Maybe Disneyland Paris one. 6,000 bucks is going to take like 52 hours to get done. But it'll be beautiful and prestigious. Yeah. Samantha Tillman. I wonder if Sam has any tattoos. I don't know. I don't know either. Oh, didn't she just post a picture of um, a tattoo on her foot? I think that was a cover up of another tattoo. Yes, she did. Yes. So we know she at least has that tattoo. She's going to be like, you know how you've seen these old, like Stu says his wife has these in their house. It's like those old religious paintings and it's like an angel, like crushing the devil. Oh, yeah, it's I think like I have seen a those. roller skate, like crushing the neck of the patriarchy. Oh, that is gorgeous. And for our extra shout out today, I thought we would tattoo Christina Sanders, our dear Christina. What tattoo with, would Christina have? She's going to get the yellow submarine from the Beatles. I knew it has to be something with the Beatles. Yeah, yeah she's such a Beatles fan. Well, as always, thank you to our marauders and all of our patrons and all of you listening. You know the tattoo that I've always wanted. What? Is not always, obviously, because it hasn't existed that long, but is Moana facing off against Teka? Like at the very end. Yeah, you do want this like the silhouette. Full color. Oh God, I want that so bad. Where would you put it? Probably across my side or my back. But the thing that you pointed out to me is that it would be really, really hard to convey the way that Teka looks like she's made of embers and fire, it'd be really hard to convey that in a tattoo. I don't know. Nowadays, they've got some bright, bright colors. Yeah. Some of John's tattoos that are really old are still super bright. I really want that so bad. It would, I mean, it's a big scene. It would probably have to be my whole back. Yeah. And it would hurt. And it would hurt. And it would be really expensive. But one day I'd really like that. (sighs) Well, that's our show for this week. 
Going to the chicken cave next week. The chicken cave. You're you're convinced that Sirius, the ghost of Sirius Black and his bucket of chicken will be there. I'm excited for you to, to read that chapter. It's a good one. It's a very good one. Good. Some deep dives on that one. Yes. Any parting words before we go? Keep your robes ironed. Mm-hmm. Keep your wands waxed. <laughs> yes. And you keep your nose out of the Half-Blood Prince's stupid books. Right. We'll see you next week. Good night and good luck. <laughs>